Hello, friends. Welcome to Church of the Geek, a podcast where we examine the intersection of the comic and the divine, where all timelines are sacred and everyone has a glorious purpose. I'm Brian Bennett, campus pastor in Pittsburgh and your regular co-host here at Church of the Geek. And as always with me is everyone's favorite trickster god hospice chaplain, Sam Blair. Sam, how are you doing tonight? I am doing quite well. And yourself? Yeah, doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Have you um, finished all the leftovers from your son's graduation party? (laughs) Because I have not. (laughs) No, we... We still have so much food in our refrigerator. When was when was yours? When did you have yours? Ours was Sunday. It was going to be Saturday, and then it rained. I know Corey, Corey's was Saturday, wasn't it? It was. Or was it okay? Yeah, yeah. Because your son was over here. Yes, he he was over there. I unfortunately was not because I was preparing for Sunday. Unfortunately, but uh-huh. mowing grass in the rain, such as Ugh. it was. That's the worst. That's the worst. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mowing grass is bad enough. Doing it in the rain, oh, no good. <laughs> yeah, no, we had it all taken care of. We had all the food. Uh, like, we really couldn't move it. And it didn't rain that badly because we didn't start till four o'clock. So mm. um, it had stopped at about like between one and two. And so it kind of dried out a little bit. And then we had a couple moments where it spit on us. Yeah. Uh, or maybe rained a little harder on us. But uh, we had a bunch of tents, and we were all good anyway. Yeah, we didn't have any tents lined up. So, yeah, and we were originally going to do ours at, at 2 o'clock, which was right about when it started raining really bad. Uh, so we moved it to we, – we had actually moved it to Sunday a few days prior. And then mm-hmm. Saturday, we were still weren't sure how Sunday was going to look, so I managed to find a tent at the last minute and throw that up. So all worked out well. You should let me know. I had th- th- three at my house. I could have brought well, some over. I wouldn't. I I would have known. Now I know. Now you know. Now you know. So, speaking well, of knowing things, what do you in know? the past and the and the future and the way things uh, are, the way things should be? Yes, we could travel back in time. Travel back in time. Yes. If I could turn back time. Oh, don't start. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let, if let's, I could let's... sing this song. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk some time travel and Marvel uh, TV series. How about that? Yeah. Mainly, let's talk Loki. Yes, we are going to talk Loki the entire season. So if you haven't watched Loki yet, especially I know a few people that haven't quite even started yet, but if you are interested in it and aren't started up on it yet or haven't finished it, please just go ahead and hit pause and get your watching shoes on and finish it up and come back on because we're going to be spoiling the devil out of this thing. Because like last time, that, that's about the only way we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that means we're going to talk about Mephisto. So if you, oh, I'm sorry if I spoiled that. Sorry. No. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So in, just in case, right, let's, here's, here's, we're going to just set the ground. So even if you're still listening and you haven't watched it, here it is. We're starting. Here's the recap. Uh, 
in Avengers Endgame, right? The time caper that is needed to obtain the time stones to reverse Thanos' snap uh, sends Cap, Iron Man, and Banner uh, back to New York during the first Avengers movie. Uh, I mean, I, the, the, the Chitauri invasion yeah. uh, in the world of uh, the peoples there. but Because that um, wasn't a movie. That was a real thing. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. But uh, due to some missteps, Loki obtains the Tesseract and disappears. This single act threatens to create a branch in the timeline when Loki lands in the Mongolian desert, uh, the Gobi Desert in Mongolia. How's that? He is quickly apprehended by the Time Variance Authority, the organization that oversees the protection of the, quote, sacred timeline, end quote. Uh, Rather than pruning this variant Loki, I mean, that is not the Loki who dies at the hands of Thanos in the Infinity War, the TVA agent Mobius decides to use Loki to help them catch another elusive variant who happens to be another Loki. And hijinks ensue. Uh, that sets up the whole series. That's where we are um, when the at the very beginning of the Loki series. Sam, what did you think of let's just talk about let's talk about our reaction and, and what we yeah. liked and all that. It was very enjoyable. I thought it had a really good sense of humor to it. It, the the vibe, especially early on with it being this 60s era tech and cartooniness supposedly involved with this immensely power, you know, powerful time variance authority, I thought was such a, a clever thing. And I really dug the uh, the way that it all looked. I I like I love the vibe of it. I love the interplay between Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. Uh, they they really did a great job casting him in there because I think his very sort of laid back uh, kind of jive that he has just worked really well with. Uh, up against Loki's character in terms of how he kind of is this manipulating character and uh, self-important and, and, and Mobius is this kind of, eh, you've seen it before and uh, da, 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 we'll, we'll kind of chill, chill around here for a while while we take care of things. So I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really well written, had a lot of really good stuff uh, in the way of, um, characters and set up a whole lot for is no small way of putting it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think we will see the Loki series that is now will send ripples throughout the MCU. Yeah. What did you think of, uh, of the series? It's, I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. It was, it was witty and playful, but it was smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was struck. Uh, I'd been going back over uh, the episodes, making sure, like, I wanted to hit some highlights for me and revisit a few scenes and stuff. One of the things that I noticed that much of you talked about the writing, and one of the things I noticed about this uh, series is there's a lot of things that happen, but most of the meat happens in basically two person scenes. Mm-hmm. Episode one, you have uh, Mobius and Loki in a 
interrogation room, so to speak. That was that's really excellent. And then you get you get um, scenes with Mobius and uh, Judge Renslayer, and then scenes with uh, the the Loki variant Sylvie uh, and Loki, and those are really those two were great together. But mm-hmm. the writing was really good. Uh, then at the end, there's one three person scene, um, right, with. Uh, Loki, Sylvie, and He Who Remains, and those those scenes all by themselves are almost worth the whole the whole series. Like mm-hmm. all the other stuff is window dressing. Uh, like it 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 just it it supports all of those. Yeah, window dressing isn't the right word, but though all that other stuff exists just to support those scenes. I think. Yeah, and those are those are really good. I mean, some mm-hmm. of the you know. Uh, there are the some of the other scenes are, are really great. Uh, the, the, the scenes with all the other Lokis, especially. Right. Yeah. The the battle in the missile silo was beautiful, just mm-hmm. really enjoyable. But even that, you know, I I really enjoyed the, the interplay. That's where two people really got to go back and forth with each other in in a scene, and and that was that was really good. Mm-hmm. Enjoy that. Enjoy that a lot. Um, yeah, it's not. Uh, I guess in the same way uh, with with all the series so far, they're the superhero series, but it doesn't have the way Avengers have the massive battles and destruction and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm, no, those aren't here. This it's still they're still improving or being really creative about the way they tell the stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they've really done that with the series that they've put out with WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And now with Loki making these series that, I mean, what Falcon and the Winter Soldier had a lot more action, right? But it still had a, a lot of interplay between characters like you yeah, say, there were so many scenes. There was like you know, uh, pairs of people that were talking with each other and developing their characters in the plot in that way, as opposed to just simply fighting things and moving the plot ahead and the story ahead through different fights. Yeah, but I, I you know, with Falcon Winter Soldier, I didn't think it was the writing was nearly as good. Yeah, um, it was that was much more like a typical Avengers movie. Yeah, I think they've really stretched their uh, storytelling skills in uh, in these series. You know, mm-hmm. WandaVision was was very novel. Loki had a lot of really good, a lot of good scenes. A lot of uh, it had a good payoff for the end, and mm-hmm. uh, it was very satisfying mm-hmm. from the get go. I think too. I really appreciated the fact that it didn't wrap things up in a tidy fashion. I mean, purposefully. So it did it in, yeah. in the end, you know, it, the, the purpose of it was to precisely unravel everything. It's glorious purpose. But at the same time, I appreciated the fact that in doing so, and this could probably lead into far, our further discussion, but it, it didn't seem like this was a, clear choice of good thing versus bad thing. 
mm-hmm. the which then led to what how the the series ended you know they're presented with two choices which both have their their good and bad points and then it's interesting that the choice of those things was ultimately not up to loki it was up to sylvie much of the uh, of the of the of the series loki drives everything mm-hmm. but it's it's sylvie is the one who unleashes all the possibility right my my so my uh, niece watches all of the the marvel stuff too and i saw her at the uh, graduation party the other day and i said oh did you watch loki and she says yeah but i hated how it ended i said oh you didn't like the cliffhanger the open ending she's like, no she wanted it all wrapped up nice and neat and you know yep. six episodes Mm-mm, that's not how it's nope. going to work on that one this is going to have too much uh too many ramifications for mm-hmm. the rest of the mcu mm-hmm. gotta leave gotta leave that one open and l- let me just say also the chemistry between Loki and Sylvie, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Owen Wilson was good. He got he got to play more of a straight man, I think, than he usually does. Yeah, uh, that was really fun to watch. And <laughs> I am going to say my favorite character was completely and utterly he who remains. Jonathan Majors mm. was so good. In the mm-hmm. final episode, I was blown away. It was, it was awesome. And he's he's cast in the next Ant Man movie, I believe the the, the Quantum Mania. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I I saw that afterwards, and I think they gave him that role after this because they they liked it they liked it so much. Well, they liked this, him so much. So this is interesting. I was watching. Um, a YouTube channel that all of that stuff with him in it, mm-hmm. he was only supposed to be a post credit like scene in the final episode of Loki. Uh huh. And with all of the delays of from Corona, they went back and put all of that stuff in. Oh, wow. So, like, so they had had a, a final episode and they cut a bunch of it out. Mostly that last episode was the temptations for Sylvie and Loki of what it could be if they chose to go along with the plan Mm -hmm. and keep the timeline. And then they decided, let's bring Jonathan Majors in even more and get He Who Remains or Kang or Immortus. It's all going to roll together. But Mm -hmm. no, it's really, really, really good. So mm-hmm. I love that was a that was a really smart decision on their part to bring him in for most of that episode. Yeah. And I like the way that they set it up, too, in that it wasn't just boom, here's Kang. It's it was he who he who remains. But then if you if you're familiar a bit with with the fantastic four and other, you know, folks in the, in, in the, the Marvel comics, you'll, you kind of saw Kang coming, but they didn't, you know, lead too far into it. So it's, it's interesting to see what, and that's why people are questioning, is this Kang? Is this Amortis? Which Kang is this? And, and, 
a lot of discussion around like how many different Kangs there are and how evidently many there's going to be a lot. Yeah. Evidently there's going to be a lot. So the, the, the big thing, of course, the, the bigger question that this turns into is the, the choice that Loki and Sylvie are presented, which is you may either preserve the sacred timeline as it is now with yourselves ruling over it, basically having whatever your desire may be, you know, Loki may achieve his goal of glorious purpose and ruling over, uh, over Asgard and over the earth and basically whatever he wants to rule over. And, uh, Sylvie can have, uh, her, her dreams fulfilled as well. Or do they, take their take their revenge on on well i don't even know for sure it's revenge i guess for sylvie it's revenge but loki it's not it's not but do they do that while limiting freedom or do they give freedom to the universe but with the possibility that it will spiral into the multiversal uh, war the, the multiversal war and the the fractalization of the of the universe basically yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the time the time variance authority has has kept us all uh, safe by maintaining one uh, timeline, not letting it branch, not letting the possibility for other he who remains variants to pop up. And I appreciated the fact that they did not make the choice clear in terms of <gasps> this choice is really bad and this choice is really good. It's that. Either choice. I mean, I think they they did kind of sell the the you know the choice of you know Loki ruling over you know preserving the sacred timeline as a bad thing because it has a more selfish intention to it. But the idea of allowing allowing freedom while promoting chaos doesn't have a real strong ring to it either. Right. Is there a middle path to walk in, in in the midst of that? That's not what was presented to Loki and Sylvie. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. had to, they had to go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Don't know. Yeah. Sylvie made a choice. Uh, you know, she made a choice to uh, live with uh, unfettered freedom for the timelines. And it's also clear, at the, or it's not so clear at the end, rather, whether Sylvie is ultimately comfortable with that choice. Because sort of as the as the scene ends with her after she's killed the one who who remains, she's just you know time the the scene just goes on and she's left on her knees with what she's done and it doesn't seem like she's received any kind of satisfaction or reward from it personal reward. Well, it is interesting in that in that scenario, right? It does not surprise me that ultimately Loki suddenly became willing to consider the notion that they should maintain the timeline, mm-hmm. that they should take Kang's place and become the guardians of the timeline. Because, as I said, basically this series is happening right after the first Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Because at the very end of the Avengers movie is... Or, his disappearance takes place at the time of the final 
at the end of the the first Avengers movie, even though it was an end game. But, you know, wibbly wobbly, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the first Avengers movie, he has that whole monologue outside of the Munich Museum about humans craving subjugation and that they they needed people to impose order upon they needed someone to impose human beings needed someone to impose order upon them Mm -hmm. so they wouldn't be burdened by having to make all these choices for him he saw it as a as a burden he sees that as his rightful place right he Mm -hmm. is born to rule that's his job you know then cap and Iron Man and Black Widow all have a little different uh, thoughts in the, right. at that moment for him. But to have that feeling and then come in and sit down with Mobius, right? And and talking about basically what's your purpose? What's going on? You want to be the king? You want to be the king of what? Midgard, Asgard, the nine realms, uh, space. And uh, he, uh, he sees himself as the one who's going to rule and take care. Uh, people won't have to worry about that. Now, he softens against it because, of course, he doesn't like the time variance authority doing that when when his freedom is on the line. But then mm-hmm. he gets to the end and he understands the stakes. And he's willing to and he's willing to to at least consider it. You know, it's it's like I said, uh, the uh, when preachers preach a sermon, they're they're preaching this, the this, the good news that they need to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the message he needs to hear. Uh, so he's willing to consider. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting too, in that you see, you see Loki as a character develop from one who sees himself as, as making himself and this being who, who is, who is a God among, among mortals and therefore beyond, you know, the whims of fate or the, the, the machinations of other people to, to seeing himself as just another Loki among an infinite number of Lokis. But as, as Mobius points out to him, it's like, you're, this is the only Loki that you will be. (laughs) And therefore I think that is one of the things that really challenges, challenges him as he, as he progresses as a character, you know, he, he moves from, seeing himself as, as free to realizing that the path that he's on is really is not that free, even when it's the one that he, that is agreeable to him and, and moving, moving beyond that suddenly becomes something that's important to him. Seeing himself as not just the trickster God, not just someone who causes death and, and destruction, because that's what, that's what Mobius wants. He tells him, he's like, well, I, I, you're, you're the Loki that just brings death and destruction. And that's the Loki that we need right now. And that's all. And that's all that he is. And I, well, think it's not, that, the, it's not just the one that they need right now. That's the only one that can exist. Yeah. Because that's the only one that keeps the timeline stable. Right. Which then reflects on him as saying, well, the only person you can be mm-hmm. that's allowable in this universe is this trickster God that you, that you have, set yourself up to be if you really have set yourself up to be that because then the the revelation becomes is this really his choice or is this the choice of the time variance authority 
so far. I think you see him move into this this place where he's I I I thought of it as as um, maturing to seeing himself being responsible for his choices and trying to take responsibility for those choices and the and seeing the impact of them beyond just fulfilling his own desires. You know, he he cares about about Sylvie. He wants to make sure that she's okay. He he cares about Mobius. He cares about cares about the other Lokis, you know, and not out of a self-serving way. It's really out of a genuine way. And I think that's where that sense of em- embracing embracing your call as, as your own as opposed to something that you can't deviate from really is important. Right. I think though their fatal error, Mobius and Loki's fatal error, because you mentioned he sees Loki sees himself as sort of one of many. Right. That's Mobius too. Our Loki gets pruned. Well, he gets he gets taken into and he is going to be pruned, but instead Mobius uses him because he wants to catch Sylvie. And and in the process, he assumes and he and Renslayer have this conversation that if if they are if he can understand Loki, then he will ultimately be able to understand Sylvie. Loki sees himself. We run into all of the variants. He sees the whole cabal of Lokis that are there. They all share the same traits. And he thinks Sylvie is the same thing, except multiple times she's made it clear that she is not him. And that is ultimately where both Mobius and Loki fail to understand Sylvie. She isn't Loki. She's told, don't call me Loki. Don't call me a variant. Don't call me Loki. I'm not that. Her whole life on the run has changed her. She can't trust anybody. Mm -hmm. Loki can't be trusted, but Sylvie can't trust. Exactly. And that's going to put right out there. Right. They have their they have their kiss, which weirded some people out, which I didn't didn't weird me out. <laughs> I don't understand. It's like, no, I get it. They 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 had some deep connection, but which I think in some ways points to them really being somewhat different. Did they mm-hmm. share some things? Absolutely. But they were fundamentally different. Sylvie drives that point home by pushing Loki back through a, a doorway back to the TVA before she kills he who remains. They they missed it. Mobius and Loki missed it. She is different. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. If the if the timeline exists and must be maintained to such strict standards, there can be no transformation. Everybody must be forced into a particular role. Mm-hmm. He can only bring death and pain and suffering. That's Loki's role. If he does anything else, he's getting yanked. Right. And it was interesting because kid Loki had a line that really sort of being frustrated at the TVA, he says, and if you try to make yourself better, you get stuck here at the end. They just, mm-hmm. they, they dump you here with all the trash. So that was, that's, that's the part 
that I think is the is, is you either have to fit that role or you're gonna get you're gonna get yanked. Mm-hmm. Um, and that change is not possible. Yeah, you can't change. So in a sense, you can't ever mature. Right. As as you pointed out, like there's there's no transformation, there's no growth, there's no oh. I mean, and imagine that. How 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 poor would our lives be if we didn't have the ability to to reflect and change, to repent, to go, oh, I don't want to mm-hmm. be that person. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, in a sense, there's no repentance here. Right. And from one vantage point, you could say that there's nothing to repent for because repentance involves some sense of I did something wrong and that needs that needs to be remediated or uh, atoned for. But in that particular world where you're you're either a one or a zero, basically, you're you're either part of the timeline or you are not part of or you are pruned from the timeline. Your your rightness and wrongness isn't based on your your character or anything like that. It's based on whether you are fulfilling your role in in the timeline, right. even if that role is an evil role. And right at the end, he who remains looks at 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 Sylvie and Loki and goes, "We're all villains here." Mm-hmm. He's he's not under any illusion, right? They're all they're all villains, and and ultimately you are not in that particular framework. You are not responsible for the evil that you do because that is all that you can do. And so, are you really? It, you know, it falls into the the question of are you responsible for the moral evil that you may do if you can't do otherwise, which is a major question that a lot of people bring up regarding predestination and foreordination, all those things. How much control does God have over, uh, over the world and over human choice? Right. Are we automatons? Is, is our entire path laid out before us? Mm-hmm. Or do we have freedom? So uh, we probably, I don't know. I would suspect you and I, this is a place where we might really differ. Because Lutheran views on uh, election, predestination, foreknowledge tend to tend to differ from mm-hmm. the uh, the reform side of things, right? But I think that I I've grown from that vantage point too. I think in terms of my own kind of understanding of of not only God's knowledge and foreordination and so on, but just how even thinking about how time works and what what is good and what is just. I mean, I think I still find myself in that camp, but probably more Armenian than definitely more Armenian than than Calvinistic. I think. Say even more though, about that. If, uh, it's interesting in that I I came from a background that was strongly Calvinistic in that you know mm-hmm. there was there was literally you know what when someone asked you what if you knew what God's plan for your life was or if you if you knew your your role in life there was 
there was a straight line that you had to be on. You had to find God's will for your life, which was one particular thing. It wasn't a broad road that you could swerve down. It was a ladder that you had to climb, basically. And you followed it rung by rung by rung. And you better not deviate from it. And so it, it can lead to a lot of of uh, distress in terms of, you know, when you're in college and so on. And is it God's will for me to take this class? Is it God's will for me to date this person? Is it God's will for me to go to this particular church? And it can, it can lead to a lot of wondering about the choices that you make. Yeah. Um, but now I'm, I'm seeing more of God's forward ordination as, as a broader concept, as a, it's, uh, it's an end as opposed to a, a means. And in, in thinking about it, uh, I wanted to kind of go back to something we talked about a long time ago, but with our friend Andy Walsh talking about uh, faith and perhaps uh, God's setting our, our paths in front of us as sort of a, that, that God's will is a strange attractor to us. Right. In terms of that, it's something that, there's a beginning point and an end point, and there can be an infinite number of paths to get from point A to point B. If you think of a map, you know, if you can pull up on Google Maps, I want to go from here to there. You can go by way of the parkway. You can go by way of the turnpike. You can go by way of an airplane if you really feel like going, you know, <laughs> and the most circuitous way possible, but you're still going to end start at one place and end in another place. And that I I'm seeing more as a matter of God's will as a pull, as opposed to a path, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, because I think what you have sort of and brought out in, in Loki is the idea that you have a, that there you have a, a dichotomous choice. You can either choose between a rigid predestination or a completely free libertarian chaos. Yep. And Oppre- that's a, an oppressive regime or anarchy. Yes, which is a false dichotomy. And and we see in scripture there's always this interplay of human agency and God's sovereignty. And one does not cancel out the other. They somehow work in harmony in some sort of strange way that we don't often understand on this on this side of it. Right. At least that's my understanding of it. I sure. I think I still, I, I, like you say, we. I think if we if we get deeper into things, I I think we we'll we would definitely differ in terms of, um, probably understanding how that all happens and how much agency God has. Uh, but that's kind of where I'm fall. I'm falling now. I understand. And part of that came from well, the, the really the big thing on on my end that that pushed that was actually reading Calvin's Institutes, where one of the first things he talks about is that God absolutely has to and must control all things at all times, or they 
end up in oblivion, basically. And it's not just that he can, it's that he must. Right. That's a that's the part for me that I I am constantly sort of like, no. The, that's the part of sort of protecting God's sovereignty that I don't think needs to be protected. Yeah. Like there are other forces that are engaged in this world that bring things about. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't take away God's sovereignty, but that's that's where mm-hmm. I am there. So Yeah. That's there's a uh, Luther writes uh, writes a um, treatise, uh, the bondage of the will, uh, basically a, a response to Erasmus of Rotterdam, uh, who wrote mm-hmm. sort of the the freedom of the will, and uh, he, Luther talks about we have we have a whole lot of freedom, you know, like there's not a divinely ordained, you know, clothing that we should wear in the morning when, you know, when we go, when we leave the house, right? We have lots of ways to take, to make choices that we are perfectly free and and able to do. The only, the only, the only place where we are, we are bound is in the, in the notion of whether or not we are able to choose God Mm -hmm. for, for Luther. That's not possible. He follows, he follows Augustine. He follows, uh, sort of the best thing we can do is, you know, we are constantly running from God and the best thing or the only thing we could ever do is at least stop running. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's the freedom that we have. And then let God do what God's going to do. So no, it's just, there are a lot of different traditions that answer this kind of question in different ways within Christianity mm-hmm. and how we, how we engage freedom and our will and God's will, all of those that are there. And I, I, I did sort of wonder if, if Loki is a series that's meant to ask some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, uh, right. We have the sacred timeline. We have, there's near the end, they're talking about a crisis of faith. He who remains uses specific language, dogma and his amen and dogma and just, his language is very uh, religious, and I so it's there's some real explicit uh, language around religion there. And I was wondering, is the way that the TVA operates right? Is that a condemnation criticism of the way that the church wields power and authority in the world? I think it's certainly a possibility. I also think, too, I think it's very hard to talk about ultimate things like they're talking about really for the first time in the MCU, talking about really ultimate things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. without falling into religious language because we just don't have other words for that. And we're, we're talking about those great concepts that have kind of piqued the the minds of thinkers back as far as they've thought, basically Uh, going back to Job and even before in terms of, you know, why, why is there evil in the world? Why are things, why are things the way they are? And, and so I think, I think you can see, there some some subtle 
I don't I don't think it's necessarily intended to to be a dig against Christianity or that kind of rigid rigid religion kind of aspect of things, but it's hard not it's it's hard to have that not be there anyway. Precisely because of what the subject matter that they're talking about. That's true. There are plenty of ways within the church, and here I'm using church as a sort of all all of the Christian sort of traditions, but capital C, yeah, that wanna pin folks into. I mean, in some regards, society does this too. One wants to pin folks into specific roles, functions, mm-hmm. and then we end up deriving some sense of identity out of those things. Whether or not we should do that, that's a whole different thing, but. It also makes it really challenging for folks who don't conform to those mm-hmm. expectations, right, within the church. Uh, and and this is, I think this is the case in every tradition within Christianity, although I also think some are a little, are, are much more rigid than others. So like women have, in, in some traditions, women have some very clear expectations and roles. Mm-hmm. Um, for good and or for bad. And if you deviate from those roles, you will be pruned. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> um, just like men, right? Yes. Uh, so much of the stuff, you know, especially you end up with folks like Mark Driscoll and, you know, like, you want to be a real man. Uh, <sighs> are you so listening to the rise, sidebar? Are you listening to Rise and Fall of Mars Hill? I have not. It's, oh, it's great. <laughs> Welcome to my church history. When you listen to that, all right, I'll I'll put it I'll put it on my uh, on my podcast list. It's, oh, it's uh, it's fun. It's it's really good. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, but you know, right? And God forbid if you know, I I mean, I really feel like there's there's folks who the whole notion of even considering that two genders isn't isn't enough is is a real problem, right? We have uh, people who, who identify as non-binary that becomes a, that becomes a place for, for folks to really wait, what? No, there are two because that's the expectations that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they want to prune that just get right. that out. The same thing happens though. Also like with uh, how we understand issues around race, mm-hmm. right? Everybody, right? No, we don't want to talk about, we want to we want to get rid of uh, critical race theory or, or those sort of things because it doesn't match with my expectations of talking about America as a noble and and uh, fantastic country. So we don't oh, need to gonna... talk about slavery because that was a minor deviation. Yeah, you know. I mean, we have we had a black man as president, so therefore, why are we? Why is Race yep. an issue anymore, right? So, absolutely. yeah, is is the thought process. So, we have all of, in some ways, we do this stuff to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We want to maintain a, uh, if not a timeline, just a uh, a narrow channel for us all to run through. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, also like uh, one of the things I hear from. From folks, uh, I've heard this in in my own tradition, so I'll, I'll say it. But like, if you're single and an adult, like very often in congregations, uh, if you're on the younger side and you're a single adult, there's not a lot for you. 
mm-hmm. right? Um, the churches are often run for f- young families. Right. That's the stuff that's happened. But then there's not, what do you do with the the people who never get married or, or never have kids, mm-hmm. right? And that can be, that can be really challenging to say a, a couple who never has children and it's hard for them to really engage. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've, I've, I've heard that time and again. And I think the, the roles that church, that have been handed down, I think just kind of sticking with, with the church right now that could begin. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Is that, you know, here is your role as a husband. Here is your role as a wife. Here is your role as a disciple. And having those things handed to you, here is what your faith is. Not only your role, but here is what your faith is. And here is how you practice your faith. Here is how you proclaim your faith. And having that handed to you is very comfortable and has a lot of appeal to it. I I can see, um, for example, you know, that there are that people who are drawn to very rigid gender roles in families, husband and wife relationships, maybe if they came from a chaotic relationship, uh, a chaotic family, you know, where maybe there was a lot of uncertainty about who was going to be taking care of who. And so therefore, there can be a a great deal of appeal in being handed a, a script and a set of expectations and saying, here you go. And it's sort of, you know, here's your job description. Yay. I know what I need to do. And there's a, there's a really strong appeal to that, but there, that also is, it, it, it doesn't require anything either. And it can, in the end, I think it, it ends up being stifling as opposed to, as it goes back to what we were talking about before, it, it doesn't lend to the growth process. It doesn't lend to maturity. It doesn't lend to creativity. And why, why do you need to? Because everything is laid out for you. you. You fit a mold and then you never have to change it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Which, which isn't the way real life works, right? We, all, mm-hmm. we are constantly engaging ourselves and, and dealing with it. And not only uh, that, there yeah. is an allure. There's an allure, right, to um, something being very rigid. It's easy. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to ponder it. You follow these rules, mm-hmm. and you're done. And that's for some folks that helps bring order and meaning. And I understand that. But yeah, for the for the rest of us, it's. Uh, I think there needs to be space and flexibility for the way that we all that we all live, that we all engage yeah. the world. And and the call of of Christ is ultimately not here's your role, act accordingly, it's take up your cross and follow me, which is which involves a turning and a taking on a new identity. I mean, how often does Paul talk about putting aside the old self and putting on the new self and that you are a, a, a new creation and it involves a, a, a maturity and that maturity involves risk. It involves uh, an element of danger to it because I mean, taking up your cross is not a easy or a kind of task. 
And, but it ultimately is the one that we're called, we're called to. And it ultimately is the one that really leads us to the kind of flourishing that we can only have when we do that. Yeah. There's a constant transformation that mm-hmm. works with us as we are being conformed in, into Christ's image. Mm-hmm. Like that's, we are engaging that life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Um, all right. We're coming up on time here. I want to ask you one question though. Hmm. If you had to choose oppressive regime or anarchy, which one are you taking? <sighs> I would think about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I want you to answer right now. Oh. It's not to say later on, if you're literally faced with the same choice, you can't change differently. Mm-hmm. But but I knowing think, what you know, are you Sylvie or Loki in the final scene? I would probably I would probably be Loki. I would lean more towards Loki, even though I because I think on to the downside of chaos and the the threat of of chaos and lack of control of any kind of control feels to me like evil unhindered or evil can be unhindered. Now this, the flip side of that is that good can also be unhindered, which was something that Loki was running into. It was like, no, you cannot be good. <laughs> so yeah. I, so, but I would still on my, you know, fall on my safety net of probably hoping that this was a, a benevolent dictatorship and, and follow accordingly. Now, how about you? Hey, you know what? I think we're out of time. It's uh, oh, go. quite unfair. <laughs> no, I, I do oh, think there's a lot of I do think that there is the sense that the devil, you know, right? Yes. Um, I don't know that I trust human nature enough. Right. That's, you know, I'm being Lutheran and uh, that as fallen uh, human creatures as we are, we don't have, we, you know, human beings can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, you know, can't go with anarchy mm-hmm. uh, as much as we might like to. Democracy is bad enough. So. <laughs> Except for all the other alternatives, as they say. Well, you know, yeah. So uh, the, yeah, I I do think I'm siding with with Loki more than Sylvie. And I do wonder if that's going to be the arc uh, here that we start to see in the MCU. Mm -hmm. The, the, oh, now we have the multiverse. Um, We got to do something to to bring this under control. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's it's out of control, and we need to mm-hmm. maybe find some happy medium between complete anarchy and you know, right, tyrannical despot over the timeline. It's it's interesting to watch Loki and then to revisit the rest of the Marvel films mm. with that in mind, and especially. Uh, Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, I'm I'm thinking of the scene where Doctor Strange is positing all the different uh, variations, ways that this could possibly end, 
the, the millions of, of ways, you know, the different multiverse. And then, you know, thinking now it's like, that wasn't possible just not long prior to this because there was one timeline and there was only one way, but it's in this weird, it's in this weird kind of loop thing now, but now that they are now living in a, in a multiverse makes sense. I lost you. Yeah, no, I thought of, I thought of that moment too, but I felt like he had to go down every decision, Mm -hmm. every possible, um, permutation permutation because you you could only go one way right right and so he was able to see all of those possibilities because there would only be one the multiverse would posit that they could all happen yeah that's true right so within within uh infinity war and endgame that was that was perfectly reasonable even within one timeline Mm-hmm. Just like a like a, a deep blue, uh, the supercomputer handles the chess match. It just it just plays every game of chess and sees which one you're mm-hmm. which direction you're yeah. gonna go. Or like war so. games. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm I'm definitely I'm gonna side with uh, with Loki over Sylvie getting rid of all of the controls. Mm-hmm. Well, we see how well that works with environmental regulations. Oh, exactly. So, yeah. And uh, the food okay. industry. And the food <laughs> industry. And pretty much, you know, unfettered capitalism everywhere. No. Yeah. So, yep. There it is. All right. I think it's a good place to, uh, to pause and to uh, look at it. Let us know uh, what you think, folks. Uh, if... Uh, we missed something or you have a really burning desire, uh, hit us up on Twitter or uh, send us an email at geekchurch1 at gmail.com and we'll, um, we'd love to hear from you. But that brings us now, uh, that brings us now, Sam, to what are you geeking out about? Well, I uh, was able to, I, I started reading after your, your recommendation and after watching the Black Widow movie, the mm. uh, black the, the Kelly Thompson Black Widow series. I just started it like literally this afternoon. But mm. uh, mm-hmm. it, the the movie I I liked. I wasn't blown away by it, mm. but I think I, I definitely enjoyed it. And to me, it felt much more because I went with my sons to the theater, and it felt much more like what it stood for in terms of we are now back in a place where you can go to a a movie theater and watch a summer blockbuster in the summer. And it felt like that another step towards normalcy, which had its own kind of pleasure to it, which was not lost. I think, I think maybe if I, if I watched black widow, without the pan without all of the chaos and everything that happened from the pandemic and all the the delays and so on i probably would have been a little bit more disappointed but i think given what it was and what it represented i think it, you know it was it felt like a breath of like a sigh like mm. ah okay i was not it was fine 
I saw the movie. We we watched yeah. it at home though, because uh, the way our weekend went. But um, eh, I think overall, it I went eh. Yeah. It 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 felt a bit more like something that you would watch on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of yeah. It wasn't the worst Marvel movie, but it it didn't wow me. Yeah, there were like good. There were good. There were good things. Things that I liked. Um, I will say the opening sequence with the smells like Teen Spirit in uh, the uh, the slow drawn out version. I didn't like that. That was not good. No, that was that was not good at all. So, anywho, ugh. yeah. Anyway, yeah. That's actually we should probably have a whole another uh, Black Widow movie. That's for another time. Yep. Yeah. Good. But this was good. Did you, how far into the end of the comics? You said, you know, you you just got started, but. I'm on like the second issue. Oh God, that first issue was so good. I've been plugging away on Dune though too. So I'm. Yeah, good, good, good. So, 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 so. Excellent. Well, you mentioned the um, uh, Mars Hill podcast. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. But I will tell you that I I am geeking out about another new podcast that oh man it it hits a really great spot for me. It's called the Friendship Onion, and it is um, Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd are the hosts. Now, do you know who those two people are? I've heard Billy Boyd. I don't know. But I can't place where I know the name mm-hmm. Billy Boyd from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is he an actor? He is. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh-huh. And if I said the names Marriadoc Brandybuck and Peregrine Took, would you know? Oh, hey, well, there we go. Yeah. I am absolutely dying. This movie or this uh this podcast is clear that these two people they met in the filming of lord of the rings and they have formed a deep and fast friendship Mm -hmm. uh and it is so awesome that they they're sort of living that out on the uh on the podcast uh, Lord of the Rings is a big part of it that they they know where their <laughs> where their bread and butter comes from in some regards. But Dominic Monaghan um, was also on Lost. Um, he was a he was a character on Lost, mm-hmm. and uh, Billy Boyd has been in other stuff. And they both have some have some musical backgrounds, and uh, but they do they do like they just they just have this great chemistry of together and. Some things are just so funny and some things are uh, just really interesting. They've got, they have these little segments, you know, Billy and Billy and Dom eat the world where they try something, uh, you know, uh, some delicacy or special thing from different portions of the world Mm -hmm. and they'll eat it and it doesn't hurt that they're in LA, you know, they've got, uh, makes it easy. Yeah. You know, they've got pretty much the world, uh, there for them but uh yeah so uh so good so friendship onion love that podcast so much there's only about eight episodes in they're only about an hour piece i guess they also 
do it first on um, YouTube, and then they just take that the, that audio and put it on the mm-hmm. put on it. But man, it's it's great. They do uh, quizzes about Lord of the Rings trivia. They do uh, they'll talk about things that they've done. They were doing that. Uh, they had Elijah Wood on two episodes mm-hmm. uh, talking about uh, stuff that they did. So uh, yeah, yeah, really good stuff. Very enjoyable. I'm totally geeking out about that one. Cool. I'll have to check that out. It's so funny. So funny. Well, and, and before we go to, I, I do just want to give a shout out to my Twitter pal, Jonathan D'Amico, D'Amico. I'm sorry, I butchered D'Amico. your name. D'Amico. Because um, he and I, prior to this, were uh, bouncing some, I was bouncing some ideas. He was bouncing some ideas off me uh, back and forth on on Loki and and free will and so on. So uh, he kind of sparked a lot of things for me. So I want to give him a, a shout out for uh, his insights on all there. So yeah, he's a real he's a real he's a real good uh, he's a good guy. guy. I follow on on Twitter. He's I, I enjoy his stuff. Yeah, he and I have had some good uh, interchanges too. So yeah, he's and. Excellent. and- and check out Pittsburgh Dad's most recent episode with the Pittsburgh Dad <sighs> plays D and D. Yeah. Oh. And the Shire. And the Shire. No, no. not the Shire. The Shire. <laughs> Which, for those of you from Pittsburgh, that's an hysterical joke right there. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, that's very good. That's excellent. Very good. All right, we're we're dragging on. All right, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Uh, check us out uh, at Geek Church on Twitter, Church of the Geek on Facebook, GeekChurch1 at gmail.com. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, let us know what uh, we missed or uh, what should we do next? I mean, we have an idea what we're doing, but, you know, if we would, uh, what kind of thing should we cover? Um, thank you so much. Uh, like us, review us, uh, mention us, uh, forward our stuff. Uh, on social media, we'd really, uh, really helps get the word out. helps us, uh, share the episodes that are, that are going out. So appreciate that. Uh, we will, uh, Oh, quick note. Um, th- this episode is coming out on a Friday. We are shifting all of our, um, publication dates. Uh, we're going to start, uh, releasing episodes on Mondays. Uh, and off the shelves will be coming out on Thursdays. Uh, just FYI, keeping that in, uh, we want to keep you all uh, up to date. When you get on a Friday, like, where's Church of the Geek? Uh, we're trying, we're thinking that perhaps Friday is not the best day to release the stuff. So, and Thursday could mean that we have a chance to uh, review a brand new book that comes out on Wednesday for off the shelf for the following day. If we were really, really motivated, that might happen. Mm-hmm. That would be Sam would be really motivated. That's not so much for me. Uh, sorry, our, our off the shelves have been a little more uh, sparse recently. Um, as we said, uh, between my hip replacement and graduations and all that sort of stuff. But Life. we'll get, yeah, we'll get back into a rhythm here and that'll be, that'll be good. So uh, anything else, Sam? Nope. I think all we're right. good. I got some material here to cover as you can see. That's a that's a nice stack there. That's a nice stack. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, everybody, you have a uh, have a great one. Uh, remember, lights at the end of the tunnel. Uh, trust in God. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Get vaccinated. And as always, Get geek vaccinated. be with you, and also with you. Uh-huh.